0: And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.
1: My Chakras, Episode 180. What got you here won't get you there. The seven chakras, swirling vortices of energy, positioned throughout our body
0: What's up action takers, AJ here, your friend, your host and your fellow action taker and you're listening to My 7 Chakras where we believe that science and spirit go hand in hand and you are powerful beyond measure. This is one show where we believe that your ability to make a difference in the world is directly proportional to your ability to take action every single day. Action Tribe, we have an inspiring episode in store for you today but before that let's listen to our latest iTunes review. Lisa M writes, My 7 Chakras is an awesome podcast. Aditya always interviews interesting people who are always so inspiring. Thank you, Aditya, for bringing us this podcast. So, Lisa, thank you for bringing me your attention. And thanks for taking a moment to write this wonderful review. Action Tribe, if you want your review to be read out as well. Make sure you take a few minutes to share your thoughts, your views or your experiences on our show in the form of an iTunes review. If this is your first time, writing a review is really easy. If you're on your iPhone, just hit reviews and then hit write a review. You can also type in this link onto your browser to jump directly onto the iTunes review page. The link you require is my7chakras.com forward slash review. Once again, that's my7chakras.com forward slash Review Now, I know that you're really busy, super busy taking massive action. But remember that even one review from you is a giant leap for our show because reviews help us get better rankings, more exposure and ultimately more action takers just like yourself. So take a moment to help me help you. And with that, we are now ready to bring you our featured guest for today, Dr. Didi Demesman. So, Dr. Demesman, are you ready to inspire? Yes, I am. That is amazing. So Dr. Didi Demesman is a New York City-based double-certified physician specializing in interventional minimally invasive pain management and regenerative medicine. He believes that each healing process encompasses mind, body, and soul as all are integrated. So Dr. Demesman, welcome to My 7 Chakras. I'm really excited to have you on our show. Before we begin, take about a minute and tell us a bit more about your story.
1: Thank you very much, Aj, for having me on the show, and thank you uh, for the listeners for uh, tuning in. So I'm Didier Adamesman. I'm an interventional pain management physician in New York and New Jersey, and I practice minimally invasive procedures and a lot of what we call regenerative medicine.
0: Mm -hmm. So definitely looking forward to learning more about what pain is and the different types of pain but before that uh, let's start with a dose of inspiration doctor what is your favorite inspirational quote and how does that quote play out in your day to day life
1: one of my favorite inspirational quote is what got you here won't get you there and the reason why i think that's very important to me is because it's very important to know that as i was studying as a physician Uh, Before, my focus was primarily on treating the patients uh, with any illness that they present with, which is sort of what I'm doing. But now, in addition to doing it, I'm actually involved in the teaching process and also helping the patient heal and to invest in their health. So instead of being just a traditional physician that focused primarily on treating medical conditions, I asked the patient to be an active participant in their health and to teach them as much as I can about the condition that they have and how they can actually invest in themselves to heal better and faster.
0: Wonderful. I love this quote. What got you here won't get you there. So Action Tribe, this is an amazing quote because change is the only constant. It's important to have a growth mindset and the very fact that you're listening to this episode right now means that you're open to new ideas, you're open to change, you're proactive and you're open to taking massive action. So keep your ears wide open and take notes if possible because we're going to learn a lot about the concept and idea of pain. So Dr. Demesman, what inspired you to start the University Pain Medicine Center?
1: So essentially, uh, I've always wanted to be a physician. I I grew up in a family of physicians since I was Mm -hmm. about five years of age. I've always loved sciences and I've always loved to help people. I can recall by the age of six or seven years of age, some of my cousins, our younger cousins used to come to me whenever they had a tooth that was loose for me to help them get, not only take away the pain, but to help them actually extract the tooth. So I began practicing medicine, quote unquote, at a very young age. So, so it's something that I've always wanted to do. And, and I've had the, uh, the pleasure, the opportunity to pursue my career dreams
0: wonderful thanks a lot for sharing that with us so it's really interesting to note that you always wanted to be a physician uh, you come from a family of you know people who are dedicated to serving uh, the community you loved science and not only that you wanted to serve people and all of that began at a very young age as a kid people used to resort to you come to you for help and guidance and i think action tribe it's a good time to take a moment here to go back to your childhood and understand What were those special magical moments in your childhood uh, where you really dreamed, envisioned what you'd like to become in the future? We didn't have all these limited mindsets or challenges or obstacles that you thought about. You just focused on what you want to become as an adult at that point. Think about that because that is really key to finding your life's calling or your life's purpose as well. Now, doctor, moving on, broadly speaking, what are the different types of pain that people experience. Now, how are they different? And then if it's possible, tell us what is the common thread or threads that make these different types of pain similar?
1: So pain is actually, uh, there's a warning signal that occurs when a patient presents pain. So if you're looking at the different types of pain, there's something we call acute pain and what we call chronic pain. Acute pain is when uh, somebody has pain that lasts about Two to six weeks, so somebody can get an injury and normally there's going to be pain involved. And we expect the pain to resolve within two to six weeks. If the pain persists uh, beyond two to six weeks, like it's actually going to eight to 12 weeks, then it becomes chronic. So chronic pain, the reason why it's important to distinguish it, it's because something has to be done for the chronic pain to resolve. As opposed to acute pain, sometimes by resting, by doing limited activities, the pain can get better. The other important thing to realize also with pain is, There's different types of pain in addition to the temporal aspect, meaning acute versus chronic. There's what we call neuropathic pain when a nerve is damaged. And there's something we call nociceptive pain is when somebody has a broken bone or tissue injury. The reason these things are important to distinguish is because neuropathic pain when a nerve is damaged and nociceptive pain, they're treated very, very differently and a doctor has to be able to make that distinction before coming with the treatment algorithm that's necessary for it. And with pain also, there's always an emotional component to pain. Because if you're looking at the uh, the definition of pain, pain uh, has a definition that goes by it's an unpleasant, is an abnormal sensory An emotional experience associated with tissue damage. So whenever somebody has chronic pain and acute pain, a lot of times there's always going to be an emotional component to it because, for example, if you're an athlete, you break a leg, you cannot go back in the field, that's going to lead you to be a little bit depressed that you cannot do it. We deal with a lot of uh, patients that are uh, head of households where – Because of chronic back pain, chronic arthritis, chronic cancer pain, unfortunately, these uh, gentlemen cannot go back to work. And therefore, that puts a toll in their family dynamics. They cannot feed their kids. They cannot work. They cannot sustain their lifestyle, et cetera. So that's the emotional component that occurs. So what I do, I pride myself on not only helping the patient get better from a a suffering standpoint, but I always want to make sure that I always address the emotional toll that can occur when a patient develops chronic and acute pain.
0: Love that. Thanks a lot for that explanation. You spoke about many different types of pain. One is acute pain, the one that is usually short term, about two to six weeks. And after that, I assume that the body's natural healing mechanism kicks in. And then if it persists, it becomes chronic pain. And like you mentioned, something has to be done because it's painful and it's happening over a longer period of time you spoke about neuropathic pain, which is when a nerve is damaged and then the other type of pain which I'm not sure I can pronounce that well, but the pain when a bone is damaged and it's really important to sort of distinguish between the two because uh, the way that you you know overcome those challenges are are different and then quite so importantly you spoke about the emotional component of pain right not just the physical feeling but what that pain entails for the person's life the implications of that pain on the person on his or her family and uh, you know community and surroundings and that is something that is so important to consider so doctor what would you consider heartbreak as you know when somebody breaks up or when somebody loses a loved one does that emotional pain lead to physical pain as well
1: Absolutely, it's a very interesting that you mentioned that AJ's because a lot of time when a patient presents has a, let's say like they have an acute or chronic pain process. When that patient is going through on uh, something that's emotionally taxing, for example, losing a loved one, losing a job, etc., the pain can actually get a little bit worse. Part of the reason is there are certain chemicals that we that we that we're born with to help with to fight anxiety and depression. And these same chemicals are necessary to help reduce pain activity. For example, if you're looking at, there's a medication, there's a chemical called serotonin, another one called norepinephrine. These things are needed in order for somebody to be less anxious or to be less depressed. But these same chemicals are also necessary to help fight pain. So that's why there's always a correlation when somebody goes to an emotional problem, The any pain pathology that's underlying, that's present, the pain can actually get worse and get reactivated just because of a lot of those physiological things that occur within the patient's life.
0: Got it. So I love that you spoke about these chemicals, serotonin and, and neuroepinephrine. The chemicals that really help alleviate or reduce the pain, right? So my question is, what happens biologically when someone experiences pain?
1: So when somebody experiences pain, so essentially if I were to give you like a, a simplified version of what occurs, so when, sure. for example, you get what we call an injury, let's say like you're getting, uh, you, you fracture a leg or you get like an incision, like a cut in your hands. We okay. you have specialized uh, chemicals that are relieved from the skin that goes to the spinal cord, and from the spinal cord, the chemicals, the signal actually goes all the way to the brain. The brain now interprets the pain signal, and not only interpreting it, now the brain now starts to release chemicals that goes down the spinal cord itself to interrupt the pain transmission. The one important thing also to realize is there's two types of components of the brain where the pain is being uh, perceived. There's what we call the effective component where the patient actually interprets the pain as suffering because... There's a there's a place in the uh, in the brain where you call it the somatosensory complex, meaning that when somebody gets a fractured leg, the patient goes ow. That's one mm-hmm. part of the brain. Now, when the fractured leg affects a patient's livelihood in terms of like that, patient gets depressed. Another part of the brain now acts to interpret that as being not only a painful process but also the suffering. There's an emotional toll that occurs as well.
0: Love that. So what role does mindset play in all of this?
1: Yeah, so mindset actually plays an important role just because a lot of time, if uh, if a patient were to meditate and to actually have a good family dynamic or good family support, a lot of the suffering component of the pain can be reduced because there's a lot of literature where if you're looking at procedures like acupuncture, like yoga, looking at yeah. things like Reiki, even those things, are not, uh, they're not surgical procedures being performed, but they can help a lot in reducing a patient's pain just because you can alter your brain, your mindset to help reduce the, the pain process that the patient is uh, receiving. I said in my career doing obstetrics and gynecology, and some of my uh, uh, teachers told me that at some point... Some patients you go through a C section with just by doing acupuncture and meditating, and they would go with C-section, getting a C section without even anesthesia, just because a patient can go and focus enough and use uh, their own mindset to help reduce the pain process. Not that I'm recommending that on a regular basis, but this is just to illustrate the power of the mind and what we can do to help enhance our, uh, our spiritual and emotional state and to. Uh, and to fight things like chronic pain and depression.
0: Got it. Now, I know that you've alluded to this, but what are some of the alternative techniques that you recommend to your patients to sort of help them tap into their body's natural healing capacity?
1: So one of the things that I do a lot of is what we call regenerative medicine. And regenerative medicine involves using the body's own stem cells, like using blood products called platelets and the stem cells that you can actually use from the body. And you can inject these stem cells directly into the area that's injured. I treat a lot of athletes. For example, if you have an athlete who has like an athletic injury in the knee, they have a ruptured ligament. One of the options to treat is by going to a surgeon, they'll make an incision and they'll repair it by using like uh, needles, by using like uh, knives, etc. However, by using the patient's own blood cells, you can actually extract the stem cells specifically that's naturally occurring and injecting it directly into the injured knee. One of the common examples I show my patients is if you have a paper cut or small cut into your body, Without suturing it, that paper cut will heal by itself. It's just because the blood has a lot of chemicals that are naturally occurring that help the area get better. So the same process, we can actually physically extract it from the patient's blood, use something called a centrifuge where we can actually spin it and isolate the stem cells that are necessary and reinject it directly into an injured area to help the patient heal by using natural process, natural healing ability that the patient has.
0: Got it. Now, as you spoke this, I can imagine one of our listeners going in their minds, is this process safe? And is it natural?
1: Yes, absolutely. The, special, the process is safe because what we do, just like you go to your doctor to get your blood yeah. redrawn. So what we do, we remove some of the patient's blood and we, and we spin it using something called a, a centrifuge. So therefore, by spinning it, we separate the blood cells into different components. You're going to have what we call the red blood cells. You're going to get yeah. the white blood cells, and you're going to get the platelets. The platelets are normally naturally occurring in the body, and they're responsible for healing. For example, if you have a cut, if you have a, a puncture, it uh, you get the coagulation meaning that the plate will help the area to stop bleeding it's just because it's formed, it has a lot of chemicals to do that so by taking the isolating that chemical that the patient normally have and injecting it directly into the area that's injured, then you can actually help it uh, heal and the reason why it 's safe you 're using actually just a patient 's blood to reinject it some other places because if you have an injured knee like a ligament is injured normally There's not a lot of blood supply to that injured knee, to that injured ligament. So as physician, what we do, we extract the blood supply somewhere else and we inject it directly, redirecting it where we need to put it in order to help it heal. So it's very natural and very safe and has no side effect because we're using the patient's own blood supply to help the area heal itself.
0: Wonderful. So thanks a lot for providing us that explanation. Now, you spoke about the healing power of practices like yoga or meditation, right? As a doctor, how do you go about inspiring or motivating your patients to adopt a new mindset and sort of help them try out these new modalities? Is that easy or difficult?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think like uh, the the difficulty comes in the fact that uh, in order to a patient to go through r- yoga re- reiki, and things along those lines there's yeah. a, a commitment has to be made so it 's not that you 're going to do yoga once a month and you're you 're going to get benefit from it. so the toughest part is is a patient committed if the patient is committed, so yoga helps you to breathe better and to also help you with your muscular skeletal strength by stretching your muscles, your ligaments, and Mm -hmm. also improve posture. And by meditating and taking a lot of good, uh, good air, you actually oxygenate your tissues so All these things are necessary because in America, we are in a very industrialized society where we walk around, we have to go shopping, we have to do dishes, clean, etc. So invariably, you're going to have some tissue breakdown. So if you were to actively stretch your body, increase your strength of your lower extremities, your upper extremities, and also get good nutrition, good oxygenation, You can prevent injuries. If you have some small injuries, you can actually help heal it by using natural substances as opposed to rely heavily on medication and surgical procedures. So the toughest part is the patient has to make a commitment. Even if they do it like two to three times a week, sometimes what I would recommend is a patient to get up and say, you know what, for for 10 to 15 minutes, I'm going to do yoga for three times a week for one month. And after doing it for just one month, four four weeks, and when the patient starts to see the benefit of it, then it's going to be part of their daily habits just because they're going to benefit from it and they're going to want to do it over and over. And it's going to be part of their daily lives.
0: Wonderful. So, uh, Doctor, under what circumstances do you recommend yoga versus something like Reiki? And how, how do you you know, make that decision?
1: Yeah, so yoga actually is, is good for musculoskeletal uh, fitness, essentially, just because we are, by using yoga and things like Pilates, it's actually good to help with muscle strength and to help your ligaments get stronger. Sure. Reiki actually involves, uh, it's energy medicine, essentially, so, so that's actually, uh, to me, like uh, a, the person has to go to what we call a Reiki master in order to, uh, to find the right benefit and to Right to have the right person do the Reiki itself. I encourage my patients my, uh, to use yoga a little bit more than Reiki just because I'm very familiar with it. And being an interventional pain management doctor, I see a of patients with muscular injuries, with, with back pain, etc. So it's a natural process for me to uh, to incorporate yoga into my treatment algorithm for them. If a patient has any emotional stress or any neuropathic pain or things along those lines, then I would probably give them the name of some of the Reiki masters that we have to see whether Reiki can actually be helpful in helping the patient with some emotional component to whatever is going on in their lives.
0: So I think this is a perfect example of how the... Uh, science establishment can be closely in touch with some of the healers, right? People from the yoga space and Reiki space. And if there's more collaboration, I think uh, people overall, patients can benefit so much more, right?
1: Absolutely, because we (laughs) are are part of like, we're part of the world, we're part of the environment. And it's important that we realize that We should not rely only on medication or things that are external. We have to do things that are naturally occurring that we can do ourselves just because we are born with the ability to to heal ourselves because if you face it, a lot of time we breathe in – Bad uh, bad chemicals outside, we eat improper food, but we're still standing and going just because the body's doing something to help fight all the toxins that we're ingesting. So if we were to think about those simple concepts and using things like yoga, naturally occurring things, to really believe that the body can heal itself and to give it a chance, but the investment has to be there. The commitment has to be there it 's not something that can be done once every two months, every three months, etc. The person has to be motivated, get a calendar write down three days a week, four days a week or whatever, this is what I'm going to do. And they can do it for a short period of time. Just do it for 10, 15 minutes to start. And eventually it's going to be part of the patient's life. you got to be encouraged with the results and they're going to be addicted to it.
0: Now, it seems like we're entering a healthcare crisis, right? People aren't able to afford healthcare and the medicines that go along with it. But I know that you encourage people to start being active in their own healthcare before they become patients right so how does a person listening to the show right now go about doing that
1: yeah the most important thing is i cannot emphasize enough proper nutrition i know that mm-hmm. there's a lot of you see things on tv on the radio about eating healthy but as a physician and again like you mentioned with the healthcare crisis that we have the healthier the nutrition that we ingest like Making sure that we get things that are less processed, that are organic, that have less pesticides or things that are not, that are free of a lot of chemicals, the better it's going to be for the body. Because every time you ingest something that has a lot of toxins, that means that your body has to fight the toxins. Your liver has to work on it. Mm -hmm. Your kidney has to work on it. It goes in your blood. That blood gets filtered to your heart and your heart has to pump uh, uh, things that are not that, that have a lot of chemicals on it. So the better you can give your body good substrate, organic food, vegetables, things that are not processed, your body's going to spend little time to process these things just because there's not going to be a lot of things to fight and you're going to get a lot more energy. The other thing that mm-hmm. has to be done is uh, a lot of exercise, just because when you ex- exercise, a couple of things occur. You're going to increase oxygen to your body. So that means that you're going to be able to fight toxins better. You increase the amount of stem cells that are, are in your body to give your body the ability to heal itself faster and better. And you're improving your cardiovascular state, meaning that your heart is going to be in better shape. Your di- If you have diabetes, if you have high blood pressure, all these things can be reduced by doing things that are so simple as eating right, physical activity, and doing yoga. So you don't even have to do a lot of uh, mysterious things. By doing those simple things that everybody can have an opportunity to do, you can fight a lot of diseases and live longer to enjoy your family and what you love in life. Love
0: that. Now, I'm sure this is a question that you might have come across before, but I can hear one of our listeners going, Dr. Demesman, I understand that nutrition is really important and beneficial to my long-term well-being but organic food is so expensive (laughs) you know i end up spending about 30 percent more than regular food
1: (laughs) absolutely and that's that's actually i have that discussion a lot with a couple of my colleagues that organic Mm. food is very 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 pricey so and that's that's an unfortunate situation just because if we're looking at a lot of things that are being done to help the, the healthcare, the society by keeping it healthy. I think yeah. that it's very important that they should have some programs that can. And make sure that the farmers that are uh, that are growing organic food that they give them all the help and support that they need so they can reduce the price of the food. Because if you do this, right. not to make this a political discussion, but if you were to make organic food more affordable, we're going to spend a less, a lot less money on healthcare overall, just because our patients are going to be healthy. There's a statistic that I read the other day that. Eighty-five percent of a patient uh, of, of insurance money is spent in the last five years of a patient's life. So, meaning mm-hmm. that just because when the patient gets uh, sick, the society is spending a lot of a lot of money to get that patient to feel better, to be healthier, and a lot of money is being spent just because you have to undo a lot of things that were being done over a long period of time. Whereas, if you the patient was to start eating healthy organic food exercising early on, therefore, you're going to reduce the tax burden, you're going to reduce the amount of money that's being spent on healthcare just because the patient's going to be healthier for a longer period of time. And AJ, I completely understand your question that organic food is expensive. It's a, it's a good recommendation. However, for some patients, it's not always feasible, and I wish there was a way that we can uh, lower the cost of this organic food just because I think that's going to be a good way to reduce the overall care of health care if we were to make a lot of the foods that are healthy affordable to our patients.
0: Love that. So I really loved your response and the way that you you know thought about that, because ultimately, it's just not about uh, avoiding organic food, but it's all about bringing the awareness of what's good and what's not good, right? So that ultimately, uh, if we are able to influence, you know, in a big way, the governments and give the farmers more support, we'll be able to effectively reduce the price of these good, nutritious, organic food, which is essentially Good for us, not only on a short term basis, but like you mentioned, the last five years, the last couple of years of a person's livelihood, this will make a huge difference.
1: Absolutely. And also, and on the side, and I know that organic food is uh, expensive. However, if a patient have, if any of our listeners have an option of using processed food or even using fruits and vegetables, even if it's not organic, but the simple uh, change of just eating fruits and vegetables and salad and avoiding processed food, it's still going to be a good help. So it's not just like using organic itself, which would actually be ideal. But if they were to take a lot of good fiber, good vegetables, good salad and avoid all the processed things, they can still help with their lifestyle as well.
0: So doctor, how did you first hear about the world of interventional pain medicine? When was the first time?
1: Yeah, so I'm an anesthesiologist uh, by training, and one of the subspecialties of anesthesia is interventional pain. Unfortunately, I have a lot of uh, uh, cancers in my family where I watch a lot of people that were very near and dear to me suffer. So one of the things I've always wanted to do is not only understand the mechanism of pain, but also be involved in the process that would help reduce pain, but also partner up with the patient's families because when somebody, God forbid, is stricken with cancer, not only this patient is going to have pain, but they're also going to have a lot of emotional problems and the family is going to suffer as well. So as a physician, I always make sure that I I devote myself to help reduce the pain, but also help the patient overall go through anything that's needed to help them cope with the disease, with the illnesses, and make make the whole family an active participant of what's going on. Interventional pain management is the field that involves treating pain processes, like if a patient has a disc herniation, if a patient has like a a shoulder tear in their ligaments, using the simplest and very small instrument and using natural regenerative processes to help treat the problem as opposed to relying on a big open operation to treat the patient's symptoms.
0: So based on what? you've shared today and first of all thanks a lot for sharing those insights those perspectives and those statistics for someone who wants to step up and take charge of their own health care what is that one action step that you'd recommend for our listeners today
1: the one action step i would recommend is to pay attention to uh, to be mindful to what's going on in a patient's life so meaning that for example, every medical condition can present with a pain process. For example, if you're a diabetic, if the diabetes is not treated properly, the patient can develop what we call diabetic neuropathy. If a mm. patient has... A like a heart disease, the number one reason a patient goes to a doctor is because they start having chest pain. So pain is actually a very important process in a lot of medical conditions. So if the patient is aware of their bodies, aware of everything that goes on, and to take good notes and to be active participant in what goes on with them. So that's why I consider myself now more as an educator just because the more I can – educate my patients of everything that goes on with them, the more they're going to be astute of paying attention when something goes wrong and to go to a doctor immediately with good questions and good feedback so they can actually treat the problem early on when it's still acute instead of letting it becoming a chronic problem.
0: So Action Tribe, to access the show notes for today's episode, visit my7chakras.com forward slash 180. That's my 7 forward slash 180. A smooth sea never made a skillful sailor. Now, this is a powerful quote. I'm not sure who wrote it. It's anonymous, but uh, this is a powerful quote because the message is loud and clear. You can practice all you like in a familiar and safe environment, but someday you'll have to jump. And if you don't jump, you'll experience a stormy challenge. Everyone does. And when you're in the middle of the storm, you have no instruction manual. You have no instructor watching over your back and correcting you when you make a mistake. And in many cases, you have people, as we're learning today, people depending on you, like family members and friends and loved ones. You will face hurricanes, large waves, icebergs and pirates but remember that the storm won't last forever the sun will come out soon and when it does you won't be a sailor anymore because you will emerge as the captain of the ship so dr demesman talk to us about a time when you experienced a massive life challenge firstly how did you encounter it and then what do you do to overcome the obstacle
1: so one of the uh... Obstacle that I encountered. So I, like I mentioned earlier, I studied my career doing OBGYN. And early in, I realized that it wasn't a right fit for me. And I was accepted to a very uh, prestigious program in the New York City. And I had a, a good promise as a career. And once I realized it's not the right fit for me, I had to make a tough decision to leave a very prestigious program, a very competitive field, and to uh, look for another specialty to perform. So it took a lot of soul-searching, a lot of, like... uh just like making the right decision to make sure that I'm going to be happy in my career. So that was like a a crossroad in my career where it was very challenging to make a decision to change one way from another and then to get the courage to do so. And after doing it, it's like one of the best decisions I ever made in my life. So always follow your dream, follow your heart, and don't be afraid that – whether you have something that you feel like it's, uh, you may lose just because don't, don't ever feel like you're, you're going to lose something. If you're not happy doing it, always make sure that you, there's always another opportunity out there that's for you. If the th- thing is out there for you, go for it and you're never going to regret it.
0: So as you look back at that decision, at your life, and the incidences and things that have transpired, in just one sentence, what is that one major life lesson? that you'd like to share with our listeners today?
1: Don't be afraid. And the only barriers that are present is the one that you create in your mind. There's no physical barrier between you and your dreams.
0: Wonderful. So thanks a lot for sharing that story with us. You shared that at a certain point in your life, you were selected in a prestigious program, highly competitive and very renowned. But at a certain point, you realized that program wasn't right for you. And I'm sure that, any of our listeners listening to the show, whenever you come to a crossroads and you have to make a decision, especially if to the world around you, you're in the right place. That's hard and you had to leave it for another speciality. It was a hard decision. You did a lot of soul searching at this crossroad. You had to find your courage and, and also you had to ask many questions to yourself. But when you did, you realized that you made the right decision, right? You followed your heart, you followed your intuition. And you told us today, not to be afraid, because the barriers that we create are all in the mind. And if we focus on our mind, we're able to break them down and take the right decision. So thanks a lot for sharing. So action taker, because of the fact that you're listening to this episode right now, I know that you're someone who is committed to taking massive action, you're on a journey right now. Maybe you've just come across a challenge, or you've been in one, for a while and you're looking for ideas, techniques and tools that can help you overcome it. I assure you that you are in the right place at the right time. Many of you are making big changes in your life, changes that you've been wanting to make or changes that have been very hard for you and changes that others haven't accepted yet, right? So after you've made those changes, the universe has a way of adding a level of doubt or uncertainty in your life to really test you So when you're in such a dilemma, and you're second guessing yourself, learn to get in touch with your higher self, because that still small voice inside of you, the one that urges you to, you know, do what is best for you. That voice has the answer because as Elizabeth Ross once said, learn to get in touch with the silence within yourself and know that everything in life has purpose. There are no mistakes no coincidences and all events are blessings given to us to learn from. So doctor, at this point in time, what is your life's calling?
1: My life's calling is to, is to be an educator, to be a teacher and to be an influencer, uh, because I'm part of society and I was given, uh, I was blessed with skills to be a good physician and to learn how to uh, treat uh, various illnesses. And I believe that my calling is to be there to help fellow human beings to improve not only in their health, but to invest into their health and to be the best they can be.
0: So let me ask you this question. As you look back at your life and the conversations that you had or maybe the books that you read, was there ever a defining moment that really changed your life?
1: One of the defining moments was... I one of my uncles is actually a physician. And the one thing that he always tells me is, just like you mentioned earlier, is if something appears, uh, if, if you're not being challenged in life, that means that you're not in the right space. Meaning that when I was like uh, in college going to medical school, sometimes some of the uh, classes were very difficult and very hard. He's like, you know what, if you keep on taking easy classes – You're not going to be challenged when you go to medical school. So I started taking classes with the hardest teachers. So therefore, I know I had to study hard. I had to spend a lot of late nights to learn and to be able to focus and to practice. So that way, when medical school came around, I was better equipped and better prepared at handling the, the amount of study material that I had to study just because I challenged myself in college. Therefore, medical school was a lot simpler just because I did not rely on taking a lot of easier classes. So that's one of the things that when my uncle told me, like, listen, you have to, uh, if you want something in life, it's going to be hard, it's going to be challenging, but you have to keep on moving forward. And I took that to heart and I, and I kept moving forward.
0: And with that, we've arrived at the very end, the last round for today called the wisdom round. The purpose of this rapid fire round is to take notes and take action. So are you ready, doctor? Yes, I am. Perfect. What is the best advice that someone's ever given you?
1: One of the best advice that somebody ever gave me, like I mentioned earlier, is what got you here, what gets you there. So meaning that as you're doing things in your life, don't be afraid of change. Don't be afraid to reinvent yourself and moving forward so that you can actually do, that you keep on uh, doing things, even if it's different than what you have done before and never give up and keep on uh, striving to be the best you can.
0: So name a personal habit that keeps you going.
1: One of the uh, personal habits that I do is like I always allow myself to have about 30 to 40 minutes every morning to the first 10 to 15 minutes are always spent to. To plan my day, so meaning that whatever meetings I'm going to have, if I'm going to do w- whatever patients I'm going to see, I've always made sure that I plan it ahead so that when I get to the office, I'm not, everything is going to be uh, more structured. And the one thing is I always make sure that I eat properly in the morning just because I always try to avoid eating fatty food in the morning just because when you eat something that's filled with fat it tends to drain your energy and if you start by having low energy in the morning that tends to carry on throughout the day so make sure that I always drink plenty of water and to eat things that are rich and uh, rich in protein because it can actually give you a lot more energy so that's one of the things that i always do as a personal habit to keep my day going uh, smoother
0: wonderful so Do you have a morning routine?
1: Yeah, so my morning routine is uh, sometimes, uh, I mean, like more and more now, I've been actually trying to do a little bit more yoga, but I think that meditating in the morning, 10 to 15 minutes of meditation actually helps because whenever I'm faced with a lot of stressful uh, situations in the office, just because of the nature of what we do, uh, I always have to think back to taking a deep breath and looking for alternative to any stressful situation so I can always make the right decision at the right moment.
0: So this is the best part and something that our listeners really look forward to. Do you have a book that you'd like to recommend for our listeners today?
1: Yes, there's a book actually called Reversing the Senses by an author named Martin Hubbard, H-U-B-B-A-R-D. And Reversing the Senses is a book that when you have achieved a measure of external success, is it sustainable? Do you have internal peace? So the book actually talks about reversing your senses, meaning that don't just settle to with what you, they see externally. You have to have internal peace in your mind in order for you to be, to be at peace or to be happy because you cannot be measured by what's being seen externally. You have to be at 100% happy with yourself in every decision that you make. And reading the book, reversing the senses give you a lot of tools, a lot of different ways that you can actually get the courage to really look deep down inside and to make those tough decisions that you have to make as long as it empowers you as opposed to relying on what people see outside this is what is going to help you with your own emotional intelligence to get you better to get you happy and you be content with yourself
0: so action tribe once again to access today's show notes visit our website my7chakras.com forward slash 180 that's my7chakras.com forward slash 180 so dr Thank you so much for joining us today. It was a pleasure to have you on our show. Before we go, tell us something that you are grateful for and tell us the best way we can find you online.
1: So uh, one of the best ways to find me is if you can access uh, www.upmcny.com. Again, that's upmcny.com, and that's my website. And what I'm grateful for, I'm grateful that i 'm always surrounded by people that I care about not only myself about a lot of, about people, just because if you surround yourself with good people all the time you 're always going to have people that are going to be influencing you and you 're influencing them and when there 's times that you need the the help, you're going to have that true person in your life that you can actually go over uh, any problems that you have that can help you, that picks you up. Because as a human being, we're emotional creatures and we always want to make sure that we have the proper support system to help you move forward. And I think that I'm grateful to have very important people in my life that I truly love.
0: So once again, thank you so much for joining us on today's show, talking to us about how to alleviate pain and the different types of pain that we might experience and taking us one step closer to a human revolution thank you aj you are listening
1: to my seven chakras go to my s-e-v-e-n chakras.com. download your free gift get inspired and take action transform your life today